Welcome to the May 28th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 27, and the sermon is entitled, Why the Gospel Matters, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I'm grateful to open God's Word. As we talk this morning about the series that we've been going through on why things matter, why ourselves matter, why our family matters, and we're right in the middle of why the church matters. Why does the church matter? And I want to start off with this. The church is not a building. I'll say that one more time. The church is not a building. The church is those people who claim to be believers And once you are a believer in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit resides in you, you become a vessel. You become the church. And so today, I'm grateful as we talk about the church, we're not talking about brick and mortar. We are talking about why our lives as Christians matter to those that are around us. This morning, I want to ask you, why is church important to you? Why is being the church important? And I'm grateful. I don't want you to answer that question. I just want you to think about it. But week by week, as you grow and understand and learn through the Word of God, I'm grateful that God grows us to be more like Him. I'm grateful for that. But I believe that in every church, there are three types of people. And maybe even this morning, there are three types of people here. Number one. There are those people who love the church. They love being a part of it. They love doing ministry. They they love coming and they love plugging and they love being the church. There's a second group of people that may be here this morning. And those people are looking for a church. Maybe you're here this morning and you're trying to find the right church. Well, let me tell you this. There's no perfect church. There's a right church that fits maybe what you believe and that closest resembles where you want to serve. But there is no perfect church. But today there may be people here that are looking for a church. And very real, the third group of people that may be here this morning or maybe even watching are those people that are contemplating leaving the church. So you either love the church, you're looking for a church, or you're thinking about leaving the church. And in all of those, those three groups of people, you have to minister to those people in different ways. But I'm grateful today to say this. Most of people walk into the church doors with this mindset. What can church do for me? Now listen to me. What can the church do for me. And if you approach the church like that, with that attitude, I want you to know you are, the church will fail your, your looking and your longing. Okay? Because it's not, it's not what the church can do for you as you look for the correct church and as you look to love your church. And even if you're leaving one church and trying to go somewhere else, it should be with this mindset what can I bring to the church? 
What can I bring that will benefit and will uplift and will add to what the body of believers as a whole are doing? So today, I don't know where you are in that looking or loving or leaving, but here is this. As you are contemplating how important church is and why church matters, it should matter what you personally bring to the table in the church. Today, I want to look, as we looked last week, spiritual gifts and why bringing those to the table and those to the church matter. Today, I want to look at the primary responsibility of the church. The church has one primary responsibility. And I'm, I, want to, I want to hit you directly to your heart right off the get-go, and that is this. To preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the primary responsibility of our church. And I want you to know the Bible is full of many warnings. It's full of many letters. It's full of many people that have written, given advice to the church and different churches throughout the world of what they need to do. But in all of that, the the church's primary responsibility revolves around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mark Chapter number 16, verse number 15, Jesus says this, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the command from Jesus himself that we must preach the gospel. And so with that said, one of my favorite books in all the Bible is the book of Acts. Because you read about the early church as it takes off and what God's Holy Spirit is doing in the early church. And if you read in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8, that that verse says this. Jesus says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and to all Judea and into Samaria and into the other parts of the earth. Friends, we have a responsibility as a people, as believers, but more importantly, as the church collective to do something with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do not want the blood on my hands and to have to answer to God Almighty of not preaching the gospel. So friends, I want you today as we take a look of of Scripture together, I want you to understand how important it is. In the early church, I told you I like to read from the book of Acts, but I think it's important to start here. And that is this. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? What do I mean by the gospel? That, That word gospel... It means good news as it is translated in your Bible. But the Greek word is this, euangelion. It means the good news throughout your New Testament. You will see the word gospel as it is used. And it highlights the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is is the whole of what Jesus did for all of humanity. It means his birth. It means his perfect sinless life. It means his death on uh, uh, paying the penalty for every sin of all mankind. 
It means that God poured out his wrath upon Jesus. And Jesus took our place as sinners. It also means his resurrection as God raised him from the dead. Defeating death and promising that believers in Christ will be with him forever. What will we do with the gospel message? It needs to be sent at the center of everything that we do here at Clifford Baptist Church. But the gospel should lead us to disciple one another. It should call us to love one another. It should call us to equip and fellowship one another. It should call us to serve alongside one another. And it should call us to pray together. The gospel message should call us also to evangelize and tell the great story of what Jesus Christ has done for every person in this world. Now you may say, Pastor, you have that passion because you, have, you are a preacher. God does not call the preacher to do all this. He calls the church to do it. And so friends, it is our responsibility It should be our heartfelt desire of why the gospel matters to me. I'm grateful today. In the early church, as I read in Acts chapter 2 of what the Holy Spirit done as it descended on the church. I love to read about God daily, daily growing the church. And as a pastor, you read scripture like that and you say, man... Why can't that be us? As a church, churches are sitting back trying to figure out what exactly can we do to get more people in. Here's the recipe. Here's the recipe. Don't go away from the gospel. Many churches today are sacrificing the gospel to win people to the church, not to win people to Jesus Christ. And so we cannot sacrifice the gospel, the message of it, and what Jesus has done for this world. I'm grateful that as long as I have this say-so, the gospel will remain the front and center of everything that is done at Clifford Baptist Church. In Acts chapter 2, I love to see the church, and I love two words, as the church was added to and the church multiplied. In today's American culture, our churches are subtracting and dividing. And so what's the problem? The problem is this. We've gotten away from the gospel. We've gotten away from what Jesus can truly do. And we've gotten away from people who are willing to proclaim that great gospel message. Out of that early church, listen to me, out of that early group of Christians, there were people like Philip and Peter that chose to take this gospel message to a world that needed to hear it. My prayer today is maybe even after this sermon that the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts to show us the importance of the gospel. But maybe out of this group of people that are gathered here today or that are watching live stream, God would lay on somebody's heart 
that gospel message, the importance of it, and call them to a lifetime of service on a mission field, maybe to their neighbor, maybe to their family, maybe to another nation, maybe to the world. But how in the world can Jesus do that if the gospel is not important? Philip took that gospel message in the book of Acts. You don't have to turn there. But in Acts chapter number 8, Philip takes that gospel message. And just a couple of verses, I want, you to, I want you to see what these things, uh, these verses say about Philip. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and here's what he did. He preached Christ unto them. That's it. We're not given any detail of how or or how it went or what he did or what method he used. But all we're told is he preached Christ. In verse number 12 of chapter 8, it said, And when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. We see Philip not changing The message for a different group of people. He went preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified and him being able to save sinners. And the Holy Spirit worked. Friends today, how many of us would love, would love something like that in our church, in our home, in our community, in our world? Today, I stand on a a very important holiday to a nation. But we also stand on a very important holiday to the Christian culture. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Fifty days after the resurrection, we celebrate what the Holy Spirit done. And friends, that's forgotten about in the church. We don't talk about that. But it was on that Pentecost, the first Pentecost, that the church was established. And so we cannot forget what God done years ago and think that he's done with his business. Friends, today, I think of Paul, who was Saul and whose life was changed by Jesus Christ. And to the different letters that he wrote to the different people in the world, to the Romans and to the different churches all over Corinth. But here's what Paul said to the Romans. I am a servant of Jesus Christ, separated unto the gospel of God. He wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel. To the Corinthians, he wrote, don't hinder the gospel. Don't hinder the life of the gospel. He also wrote, if the gospel be hid, it be hid to them who are lost. He also wrote, what he does, he does it for the gospel's sake. To the Galatians, he said that the gospel needs to be preached. To the Ephesians, he told them that your feet need to be prepared with the preparation of the gospel. And so as Paul understands the gospel and how important it is, I want our church today to see this. The gospel cannot change. We cannot add We cannot take away. We cannot do something that will attract other than this. Preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And let the Holy Spirit do the work. 
Friends, today, there are people and there are churches I'm not throwing stones. We'll put on a smoke show and a rock show and hope it brings people in. You do not win people to Jesus like that. You win people to Jesus with the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that will change them. How many of you think the gospel is a necessity in the world today? Raise your hand. How many of you think the gospel is a necessity at Clifford Baptist Church? Raise your hand. How many of you think the gospel is a necessity in your family's life? Raise your hand. How many of you today will say, I will take the gospel to the world? Raise your hand. Today, why does the gospel matter? Go to, go to your Bibles with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Real quick, I'm going to give you three points. I'm going to try to save my voice the best that I can. Y'all pray right now because I think these are necessary to hear. As Paul writes to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 16 is where we are going to start. Paul writes this, these words. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verify that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not my power in the gospel. Point number one today of why the gospel matters is this. The gospel must be a necessity. The gospel must be a necessity. Paul spent roughly 18 months in Corinth on his second missionary journey. You can read about that journey in Acts chapter number 18. If you want to take note there and go back and look later. But here Paul fuels the compelling need to preach the gospel. And here's what he says in verse number 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. So the first thing he says is there's no benefit to me. I'm gaining nothing of myself. There's nothing for me to gain here for myself. I'm not doing it for the dollar bill. I'm not doing it for my glory. I'm not doing it for attention for myself. I'm doing it for God. But look at verse number 16. It says this. For necessity, it is laid upon me. Here's what I want you to do. Underline those words in your Bible. It is a necessity. Paul felt that it was a necessity to preach the gospel, to talk of what Jesus has done in his life. Today, Christians don't feel that necessity. Can I be straight with you? We don't feel that it's necessary anymore to preach the truth of the gospel. Friends, I want to I be friends with a lot of people. If you know me, I don't like an enemy. But here's the thing, the greatest way to gain an enemy is to stand for the gospel. And you will have enemies. But here's where we cannot budge. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot take away from what the gospel does. 
Paul says this. It is a necessity. I feel that it is laid upon me. And woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. I feel that. As a pastor. If I stand here. And I don't mention the name of Jesus. If I don't tell somebody how they can come to Jesus. If I don't put it out there for people, I leave and I, and I know that there is a woe. There is something coming that I'm going to have to answer for. Paul says, if I don't tell somebody about Jesus, woe unto me. We're all guilty. And I'll be the first to raise my hand of times that I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me to say something. To speak of the gospel. Even yesterday I had the opportunity talking to an old man that told me that he was raised in church. But he doesn't go anymore. And I said, man, that's a shame. I'm going tomorrow because I'm a preacher. I missed the chance. I should have invited him here. I should have told him about Jesus. I missed my chance. But there are times where we miss the chance or we feel the guilt that is placed upon us. And Paul says, I cannot go Without speaking of what Jesus has done in my life. Do you feel a necessity to talk of Jesus around your family? Around your friends? Outside, listen to me church. Outside of the church circle. I feel the implications. And I believe that Paul felt the implications. If I don't speak it, somebody Somebody may never know. Somebody may go to hell without Jesus. Friends, that's the importance of the gospel message. It is a cutting edge of what God can do in somebody's life. But I want to make an interjection here. The gospel doesn't save. The gospel points people to Jesus Christ who is the one who saves. So if we hide that, or if we don't speak, I'm guilty of not allowing God the opportunity to work. Look at at verse number 18. Paul says this. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power In the gospel. There were some in Corinth that accused Paul of doing it only for the money. And I know preachers get a bad bad rap. Especially TV preachers about doing it all for the money. Listen friends. If it's about the money we're in trouble. If the money is the reason that I'm standing here. Get rid of me tomorrow. I'm going to be honest with you. Now I have to have a paycheck. I want you to understand that. But beside the points, if money becomes the object, the object is no longer the gospel. Does that make sense? When money's the focus, the gospel is not. When music is the focus, the gospel is not. When man is the focus, the gospel is not. Jesus Christ must be the focus. Everything, everything points to Him. The music points to Jesus. The message points to Jesus. And so I want you to know that the church must point to Jesus. It is a necessity. Not just for one hour on Sunday morning. It is a necessity 
as we speak to others. Point number two, look at verses 19 through 23. For though I be free from all men, yet I've made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Point number two today is the gospel leads to salvation. Now, it doesn't happen every time. I wish every time that I gave a message, every, I wish the altar were full of unsaved people. But it does not always happen that way. That's not under my control. My control is to sow the seed of the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do His work. Paul mentions a freedom in verse number 19. A freedom. And this has kind of been twisted in the circles today to do this. To use or have an excuse to do what you want and what you need to win those to Jesus. Well, listen, there is some sort of freedom there, but it's not a freedom to sin. Listen, God will not call you to go into sin to save someone from sin. Okay? He may cause you to go into sin-filled places or sin-filled situations, but He will not lead you to sin to save somebody from that. What I mean by that is you cannot change your lifestyle, fill it with sin, and blame it on Jesus that you're winning people for Him. Don't do that. But here's what Paul says. I have the freedom because I once was a Jew. Now I minister to the Gentile that I can adjust my tactics, so to say, to minister to those who need to be ministered to. To the Jewish people, how would Paul minister to those that were under the law? He would, he would adjust his diet so that it matched those of the Jewish people. That he could minister there. And they would look at him and they would see him as such. When he was ministering to the Gentiles. He did not go by that strict law of a diet. He could be, have the freedom. There's the word. To eat and to do as he pleased. Because he was not bound by the Jewish law anymore. Note in parentheses in your Bible in verse number 21, he says, Being not without the law to God, but under the law to Christ. He said, I'm not making any moral uh, decisions here. I'm not going out of the moral lines. But what I'm doing, I'm adjusting my tactics to get people to win. Well, how does Jeffrey do that today? How does the church do that today? Here's how we do it. We take the same gospel message that is unchanged and we go to a world, maybe to places where you normally wouldn't see people. Maybe we go there, but maybe we take off our suits and ties and maybe, maybe we put on some blue jeans and we go down to the store. Maybe every time people see Pastor Jeffrey, they don't have to see him in a necktie. Can I do this? Is that okay? Man, if I showed up at this, if I put a ball cap on, you will, not, you will not recognize me at the store. I know that. 
It's not all about clothing, friends. But here's what happens. We get tied up in some of these things. And, and here's what happens. We get so fixed on them that we can't minister to people. If you see me on the ball field, you're going to see my white legs in shorts, okay? It's okay. But here's the deal. I'm using that as just one, one, one small issue. The gospel message will still come out. The love of Jesus will still be seen. My message to a group of kindergartners is different than a Sunday morning sermon. Why is that? Because the audience is different. A couple weeks ago, I went to Central Elementary School to talk to them. That message was not word by word a message for them. But it was an invitation to come to Jesus. Friends, here's what the church needs to do. Hold tight to the message of Jesus Christ and his love for the world and take it to the people that you're surrounded. For 16 years, I went to B&W in oily clothes and work clothes, but I still ministered there. To those people, you become like them. You become family and you minister to them. But we cannot, cannot, cannot change the gospel because it is the power of salvation. Look at verse number 22 real quick. All through this reading, I want you to see verse 19. At the end of it, he says that I might gain the more. Verse number 20, he says that I might gain the Jews. He says I might gain them that are under the law. Verse number 21, that I might gain them that are without the law. Verse number 22, to the weak I became as weak that I might gain the weak. That word gain can be translated when. How many of you like to win? Nobody. Okay. All right. Let's pray and, and give an invitation and let's go on. Listen, I don't, I don't play to lose. You're going to see a side of the pastor that's competitive. If it's kickball at the campground, I'm playing to win, okay? Paul says this. My life is dedicated to the gospel to win or to gain people for Jesus Christ. We were not made to be losers. Once you have Christ, you are made to win people to Jesus. But he wants to gain and he wants to win. And he's being who he can to these different groups of people. But look at the end of verse number 22. That I, might, uh, that I might by all means save some. Paul is giving his life for the gospel's sake. That he might win some people to Jesus. He's not going to win everybody. And that's where Jeffrey has a hard time understanding. I want to win everybody to Jesus. But here's the reality. As hard as we go and as true as we can be to the gospel, we will not win everybody. But our goal is to gain some. The gospel is that ticket. The salvation through Jesus Christ is the ticket to win people to Jesus. Okay, last point, verses 24 through 27. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. 
And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight. I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Point number three today is the gospel calls us to be disciplined. The gospel calls us to be disciplined. Corinth was known for its Olympic-style games, as you can see in this scripture. And Paul says this, Everyone who runs the race, there's only one that wins the crown. I told y'all, you got to do it to win, right? There's only one that's going to win the crown. And in these Olympic-style games, if they were going to run a race... There would be only one winner. We're not going to give everybody a participation trophy, okay? There's only one winner. But that winner received a crown that was made out of vines or things that would be corruptible. Though they would carry the title of winner, that crown would only last for a season or a short time and then it would die away. Paul says, I am running a race, and I'm running to achieve a crown that is not made of material from a world that will wither away. I am running for something that is incorruptible that can only be placed on my head by King Jesus himself. Today, I'm running a race, and I don't have time to waste. Look at, look at verse number 24 or 5, excuse me. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Here's what Paul says. I don't waste my energy. I wish I could say the same thing. I don't waste movement. I don't waste where I'm going or what the Lord is doing through me, Paul compares himself to a trained, disciplined athlete running for a purpose. Have you ever seen somebody run with purpose? I used to run 5Ks. I know you can't tell that. My goal was to run to finish. That's all I wanted to do. Run to beat the last time that I, that I made on the last run. I ran to finish. But no, Paul says with the gospel, I run to win. I run to win people to Jesus and I run to win and live a life that will please him. Not as one that is wasted or undisciplined as one that beateth the air as a shadow boxer would. There are troubles that come. There are demands that come. There are hardships that come. But here is the goal of Paul to take the gospel to those that need Jesus. And with it comes a reward of faithfulness that cannot be given by any human being or any group of church or any one person. But at the end of verse number 27, he says this, that I myself should be a castaway. Do you know what that, translate, that translated means? 
I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want anything in this world. I don't want anything in my life to disqualify me from that which God has for me. Friends, today, if we sidestep the gospel, if we get away from the gospel, you will be disqualified. As a church, we will be disqualified no matter how many people are on the roll. But how and what will you and I do with the gospel message today? Here's the question. Are there people that need it? Are there people that need it? Here's the second question. How close to you are those people? If you have the gospel and they're close to you, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to spend hours or days or years praying. It is your responsibility to speak the truth of the gospel. Today, church, will we be disciplined enough to win? Will we have a heart that is out to win people for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the gospel that does that through his church today. And it is our responsibility to run, to race, to fight, to win. And I pray today that God uses us. With a weak voice. And I close this message today. I want to close it by saying this. Today... I don't know what God's going to do with this message. I contemplated at 4.30 this morning. Should I let somebody else stand in this place? My prayer right now, as the Holy Spirit moves, is that He's working on hearts of people in this room that understand the importance of the gospel. And number two, understand the world that needs it. And that world may be the world that is immediately around you and then work your way out from there. Friends, today, I want you to know that we cannot compromise it from this place, from this pulpit, and from the teachings in our church. Today, the good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is this, is that He still changes lives. He died for our sins. And on the third day, He rose, leaving no condemnation for those who will believe. Today it is an honor to stand and proclaim that gospel message. But it also is an honor to stand and say this. Today if there's a, a person in this room those, there's a person watching live stream today that has never accepted Jesus Christ. Here is the invitation. I'm grateful for a, a Lord that loved us so much. He laid aside the perfectness of heaven took on my sin and the punishment thereof and went to a cruel and rugged cross that I might be set free. Today, He did that for a relationship for His creation. He paid the penalty of sin for you and for me. And if you will believe that with all your heart, confess Jesus as Lord of your life, He will save you today. Today, what will we do with that message? We can't just sit on it. We must do something with it. My prayer today is that as this invitation is giving, 
that the, the Holy Spirit would move in your life. And what we need to do as a church, as a collective group, but also as an individual people. May God lead us as we pray. Father God, Lord, we give you these moments of invitation. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do in this moment, Lord. But I just pray, Lord, you allow people to see the importance of what the gospel message holds. It holds a hope. It holds life. It holds eternity for a world that is dying and separated from, from it. God, I pray, Lord, today that there are people, maybe with a burden of one person's name on their heart, that will just come and pray. Maybe there's a burden to, to try to share. or Maybe somebody needs somebody to go with them. God, I pray, Lord, that you will surround us with the gospel army that will march in this world. God, my prayer today is that one heart and one life that needs to be touched and changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. The old man or the old woman came in, but the new man or the new woman can leave, changed by Jesus Christ. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will work in this moment of invitation and that you will draw people to yourself. We submit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.